Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, tell me who I am. Tell me who I am. This morning I want to tell you, talk to you about position, how you might position yourself. See, all of us do this. We all grab seats, don't we? Like you grabbed the seat you're in this morning. Maybe you sat all the way up front because that's where you engage better. If you're under the balcony, see, you can't see me right now, but it makes a difference where you're seated. When you go into a corporate setting and you sit around a conference table, you pick your seat. When you walk into the school cafeteria or the, I don't know, the manufacturing plant that has a lunchroom or a break room, you're gonna pick your seat. You're gonna scope the room. You're gonna see who's sitting where. I had a friend of mine that he was in the, in the uh, army, and um, after coming out of the army, he no longer was able to sit anywhere where his back was to a door or to a window or to an open room. He always found a seat where he had a clear perspective on every place that he could see. He must, in order for him to be comfortable, he had to be able to see what was around him. Sometimes we pick these seats consciously, and sometimes we do it unconsciously. Sometimes, if you're like me, you've sat at a table, and you've sat across, you, you check to see where your allies are around the table. Who is for me? And I want to sit in such a place that I can see them from where I'm sitting, because maybe I need some reassurance about who I am, and I need reassurance about the position I'm taking. And other times you look around the table and you see where the narcissistic leader is sitting and you avoid clear eyesight with him at all costs because you know that there's some things going to come down the pike that you don't really want to be able to see him on. Sometimes we take seats that speak to the social norms that we've become accustomed to. We've just picked up, even as kids. Like, think about where your mom and dad sat at the table. Did you have dinner or, or breakfast together? Think about where your mom and dad sat. Did they sit at, the, sit at the end of the table? A lot of times, mom and dad might sit at opposite ends of the table, depending on the size of your family. Yeah, they keep, gotta keep order in the room, right? So they might sit on opposite ends of the, of the table. Other times, Maybe they sit on the side. But did you know that the end of the table is a place of influence and it is a place of power? Think about it the next time you grab a seat at the table. Think about where you're sitting. If you sit on the side, oftentimes you're looking for teamwork and collaboration. We take seats based on our perspective. Now, we've all heard ourselves and others say things like, from where I sit, or from my perspective, 
And this is usually followed with a particular opinion about a particular subject or a particular matter. But our opinion reflects our observations. It, uh, uh, it reflects our experience. It reflects our biases. And it reflects how we think the world works. Our observations and our assumptions are formed by where we sit. Where we sit depends on, sometimes it depends on our religion and our race. Sometimes it depends on our economic status, our culture. So if you're sitting where you are this morning, and some of you sit in the exact same spots every time you walk into this room. And some of you sit in the lounge. Right now you're in the lounge on the other side of the building. Your experience there is different because of where you sit. The people up here in the, here in the balcony, their experience is different. Have you ever been up here? Have you ever looked down on what's happening down here? It's a very different perspective than sitting down there. Now, if you're sitting under the balcony, again, your experience determines where you sit. Where you sit. This morning, if you're online, at home, on the couch, maybe you're right now making some scrambled eggs because you can hear me from a distance, but you don't have to be in this space. But your experience is different than those that are in the room. So, a couple questions. I'm gonna head downstairs. A couple questions. As you think about where are you seated? And you wanna know, tell me who I am? Well, I can tell you who you are based on how you've positioned yourself. So in what ways are you positioning yourself? And under what authority are you doing that? I wonder if any of you have abdicated your seat. Have you given up a seat of influence, a seat of power? What have you given up? Where have you given that power away? To whom have you given it? And what have you done? What have you done to, to occupy the seat you're in right now? What have you done to prepare yourself for this? Many of us would say our life experience has, has served to uh, cre create a spot for us in the seat that we're sitting. Many of us would say our education. We would point to experience, education. We would point to a skill level. These all serve to make us competent. See, competence will get you in the room. Competence will get you a seat at the table. But character will keep you there. Character will keep you there. Character, by that I mean integrity, persistence, honesty, fairness, humility, empathy. Those are all things that are characteristics of a great character. Competence will get you in the room. It will get you a seat at the table. But character, who you are deep down inside of yourself is how you will stay in that place. Now, many of us in this room, many of us are entrepreneurs. We are, uh, we are the boss man. We are leaders. 
And here's what I want to say to you. And as, as I was prepping this week for this message, I got to this point. And as I wrote this, I just had a real sense. This was a word, like, take this word this morning. Take it deep inside of you. Because if you are a leader, then you are charged with helping create character in the people that follow you that will, that will measure up to the significance of their calling. You as a leader are charged with helping those around you, those that follow you, not simply to just come to work the next day. I mean, that's best case scenario for many people, right? You just, well, you just show up. That's a good thing. No, 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 no. You are called, as you lead people, you are called to help them create in them a character that will measure up to the calling that they are called to. Help them to be worthy of their calling. Paul has a lot to say about this, the Apostle Paul. And again, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, and uh, we're going to read about what Paul's message was to the church at Ephesus and what his message is to you and I again this morning. I love this passage because, listen up, he starts with saying, hey guys, you in the church in Ephesus, here's who you used to be. Back in the, I don't know, maybe I was 14 years old, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand came out of, with a song called you don't bring me flowers anymore. And the phrase that is in that that captured my attention was, used to be's don't count anymore. They just lay on the floor till we sweep them away. Now, of course, he's talking about a romantic relationship. But as I read this scripture, that line came to mind. And I thought, that is so true. Used to be's don't count anymore. That's not what's important anymore. We need to focus on our future. We need to focus on what will be. So here we go. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Once you were dead. Once you were because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers and the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Verse 4, but God, say it with me, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that we have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And here we go. Here we are. Seated us with him. He raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Where are we seated? We are seated with him. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown, in all, as, he showed, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 8, God saved you. 
God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, Martin Luther, who, uh, this was a Lutheran church for 143 years, so Martin Luther had a lot of influence on not just the, uh, the whole theological world, but especially to the church that he founded, the Lutheran church. Luther actually suggests that God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. For we are God's masterpiece, Paul goes on to write. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Our salvation, you guys, is not based on how good we are. It is based on the goodness of Christ, goodness of God shown to us through Christ. Because of his grace, you and I, we are freed from using works in some systematic way. We do this, you know. We make a list and then we put check boxes beside the list, and then we check those boxes as we do the good things. We compare and we contrast. That's a trap nobody wants to get into. We compare what other people do compared to what we do, and then we make some assumptions about how good we are based on the score. Instead of all of that, the goodness of God frees us. It gives us authority to fulfill our calling to love our neighbors in ordinary, regular ways. Be that in the workplace, be that in our families, and perhaps right here in our neighborhoods. Last week, Brenda encouraged us to straighten our crown, position ourselves rightly. So this morning, I want to remind us that if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then you've been resurrected with Christ. You've been given a new life, and you are seated with him. It matters where you're seated. If you are seated with him, you are seated in the heavenly realms, the heavenly realms. He has given you spiritual blessing. He has empowered you from the inside out. You are one with him. Before he was king, David was an unknown shepherd boy. Do you remember the story? Saul was king of Israel. Samuel, the prophet, was given a word by God. He said, Samuel, Saul is no longer going to be king. He's abdicated his role. I want you to anoint a new king. David was an unknown shepherd boy who had older brothers who all came before Samuel and none of them were anointed king. And Samuel says, well, do you have any? He asked the, the dad. He says, do you have any other, any other sons? And he said, yes, I have, I have a young. My youngest is out in the field. He's a shepherd. We'll call him in. And I love this story because David was an unknown shepherd boy. No one knew about him, but God mentioned him to Samuel, and Samuel saw him and saw royalty. See, David wasn't, wasn't seeking a position, but he got a position because God saw him, and God found him to be a man after his own heart. We need to position ourselves. Position yourself. You never know who might mention you to just the right person at just the right time. 
Position yourself for the future. See, David was a leader. David was a leader. He became a leader, not because of his position, because, but because of his disposition. See, so many times when we seek position, we think if I could just, if I could just be here, then everything I've been dealing with and all the things in life that haven't aligned correctly, if I could just have that position, that position would ensure that I would now be a leader worthy of my calling. If I could just get here, because if I have the affirmation of those around me, surely that's enough. I'm here to tell you that this position that you want is the position that, that is only yours, truly yours, and only sustainable if your disposition is aligned with Jesus. See, we often want position, but it is our disposition that will determine how successful we are. We can say all the right words all day long. This applies to our, our every facet of our life. We can say all the right words all day long, but if our actions do not back up the words that we're saying, then, then we still have work to do on our character. We can say, I can do all of these things, and we have all these skills and abilities and, and opportunities, and we step into those because we're competent, and yet our character does not back that up. And when this happens, our success is short-lived. Our time in that position is short-lived. And I don't know about you, but I want longevity. I want longevity in the places that God has called me to stand in, the seats that he's given me to sit in. I want to be in those places, bring my best and I believe you do too. But sometimes we go through difficult times, we go through circumstances, we go through trials and suffering in order for those sharp edges to be ground off. In order for the things that are not aligned with Jesus yet to come into alignment with him. It's curious what age does. <laughs> when you get into, uh, into your 50s and beyond, life takes on a different, you, you get a different perspective. Because guess what? I'm sitting in a different seat. I'm sitting in a different seat than I was 25 years ago. Life has a way of teaching you some things. The key though, is your teachability. How teachable are you? Will you take the circumstances that are before you? Will you take the difficult things that you're dealing with, the relationships that are busted up, the cancer that has arrived? What are you gonna do with those circumstances that don't match up with who you think God is? Because if, if God's a good God, if God's a good God, and I've positioned myself correctly, well, guess what? My mindset is going to be such that I'm going to realize that in all circumstances, all the circumstances I find myself, God is still good. God is still good. 
And he wants all good things for his children, just like you and I, for our children. We want all good things. For those we're deeply connected with, we want all, we would never wish anything bad on them. If we have such good aspirations for those around us, for those we're connected with, for our family and our, the people we love, then wouldn't God, who is a good God, also want all good things and use all things for his good? This morning, I wonder if your character has been formed to the degree that you are ready for whatever is coming. Are you looking to change your position or are you looking to change your disposition? Sometimes in life we find that, that wherever we are, we just don't belong here anymore. Like this is just not my place. I don't belong. We realize that who we are or who we've been is not who we need to continue to be. I had this conversation with a couple friends this week. When I asked them, I said, I said um, when you think about your identity and who you are in Christ. Like, do you ever feel like um, there are, like you need to shed some of this identity, like a snake takes off the old skin? Sometimes we have to, and he changes his identity as a snake. I mean, he's still a snake, but he's got a new, new exterior. You and I, sometimes we need to, well, let me just say we should never change our core the core of who we are as followers of Jesus, of course not. That's our foundation. Our faith in Christ is our foundation. Don't change that part of your identity. But it's important for us to identify those secondary identities, those things that, that we need to shed like old skin and say, that's who I used to be. That is not who I am anymore. That's who I was, but the future is calling me to be someone else. See, our identities, think about your environment growing up, for example. Our identities are shaped by the environment that we have grown up in. And unless there's a great interruption, so I think about things like when you go to high school, you've been in middle school and now you step into high school. And maybe the same people that have come with you through middle school are now with you in high school. It's awfully difficult to change in that atmosphere. Because you've kind of been known over here for this, and so yeah, it's expected of you as you go into high school. But now you step from high school into college, and all of a sudden you find yourself, most people will find themselves in a strange setting, a new place, without anybody from the past being there. You get to shed, and this can either be a good thing or a really bad thing, but you get to shed this old identity that you had, and you get to create something new. That's who I used to be, but I'm making some changes in my life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm making some changes to make sure that I'm aligned with who God says I am. That I take a seat, the seat that he has called me to take. I'm going to shed those old identities. So this morning, I think it's significant and important for us to think about what is your identity right now? Who do you think you are? Because Jesus says that we have been created in his image and he calls us, 
He calls us into the places, each of us separately, differently, calls us to places of significance and, and, and authority and leadership at the right time, at the right time. We wanna rush ahead sometimes. We wanna get things backwards. We wanna do and then let the character catch up. But I'm telling you, make sure your character is ready for the position that you are called to. And so where do we start? Where do we start? Where, where if, to, if today is the first that you've thought about this position that you have, or the position that, because all of us have a position, we just need to identify it. And the place where I find in my conversations with many of you, the place where we get stuck is right here, is right here. Our thoughts, the way we think, products of our environment, our environment determines how we think. And so if you need to change the environment that you're in, do that. I don't know how that looks for each one of you. But you know that if you have constant negative input, that's what's going to come out. If you have constant positive input, that's what's going to come out. Maybe you need to change the seat that you're sitting in. Maybe you need a new position. And maybe you simply need to start where Paul, again, you guys, uh, two weeks ago when I preached, as I talked about what Paul talks to us about in Ephesians, I was reminded again of how much Paul likely, I'm gonna make some assumptions, but he was not a nice guy prior to meeting Jesus. He was, he was a killer. He was affirming those that would actually do the deed. So it kind of just put him in right with it. He thought he was doing really well. He thought he was aligned with God. He thought that he was, his, his zeal was appropriate. And yet Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Paul is never the same. But Paul remembers what he was like. Paul remembers his identity that he's trying to shed. And I just believe that the way his writing speaks to us today is because he was human and he too struggled with identity. In Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It is the renewing of the mind that is the key here. Think differently, live differently. This morning, God says, you're invited to the table. Pull up a chair. We've reserved your seat. You don't need to jockey for position. It's all right there. So where are you seated? Where are you seated? Position yourself.
Take the seat that's been offered. Why does this matter? Why does it matter where we're seated? Why does it matter how we conduct ourselves in that seat? Well, poet Robert Hem Hensel, I love this quote. He says, life is a temporary position. When our position's done, or when our job's done, we turn off the lights and go home. Life is a temporary position. When your job's done, we turn off the lights and we go home. Life is short. Life is short. Position yourself. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.